Thank you, singers and the band. Uh, once again, just richly blessed with the musical gifts and talents represented here at Avondale. Uh, how are you guys tonight? Good. Good to see you out. A little fewer in number, it feels like. Balcony folks representing, keeping it real, refusing to obey God's will for your life by coming down, you stubborn sinners. Yes. Yes. But thank God the remnant is down here front and center. This is a good thing. I jest, and I'm glad you get the fact that I be jesting. Um, hey, a couple quick things, and then we'll dive into Scripture tonight. Uh, a little update on our sister in Christ, Carly. Uh, the tumor has been removed, and it has come back neutral, which from what I've been told is actually a really good thing. They're going to be studying uh, the tumor, and they hope to have a more definitive answer or responses to what it is, what the mass is uh, next week. Uh, so we want to be mindful of her. Uh, she's recovering tonight. Need to be mindful of her and her family. Um, uh, one thing that I haven't mentioned as of yet is in talking to Carly uh, yesterday, she, um, she was just saying how very uh, troubled her parents are. And, and the reality is, is as a parent myself, I can only imagine uh, what kind of situation and mental headspace that they would be in. Uh, so as has already been mentioned tonight, we just need to keep the family in prayer, uh, that they would be strengthened and encouraged. I'm trusting that that girl is, is sharing her faith and that God is going to be praised in and through this. Um, the school has already bound together and has come together in remarkable ways. And, uh, and just seeing your faith and assurance has uh, been very powerful. So an update there. Um, so we'll be praying for her before we get into the Word tonight. Um, another couple things. You've already heard about the Adra and the, the big band. That band is not on my wrist because I went to exercise. And something about exercising and having a big, chunky uh, rubber band around the, the, the wrist probably wouldn't go over so well. Um, but I would highly encourage you guys to check out the Adra booth. If you haven't done so already, it is a very powerful experience. I went through it today. I've been through one similarly back in the States that Adra put on there. Um, but a very powerful story. I went through the Australia one to represent. And uh, it's just a very sobering story, but also one that should be uh, uh, celebrated um, uh, as you'll, you'll experience uh, walking through the shoes of this girl. And uh, I can't help but to, to imagine that everybody who goes through there, you will be touched. Uh, so just definitely want to encourage you to check that out. Um, a little, uh, little update too. I talked to a brother in Christ today. His name's Mark Baines. He's working down at the Greater Sydney Conference. Some of you may have met with him today. Uh, Mark and I have been friends for a long time. I thank God for that guy. Um, I, don't, I don't know how many of you know Mark, but um, he's just a man deeply on fire for God. And uh, um, I, just somebody who is just out on, the, out on the forefront quite a bit in ministry. And he has a deep passion for those that are disengaged, disenchanted, uh, uh, and, and just have left the church. Uh, he has a deep heart for those folks, his blog uh, lends itself to that end. And Mark and I were talking today, and I thought he brought up an interesting point, so I want to share this with you today. He said, you know, a lot of times we come into these things, and we hear the gospel preached, we hear the Bible preached, but we don't know, you know, a lot of us don't know how to respond to it or how to have a relationship with God. And so I was talking to your chaplain here, Wayne French, today, along with your, your president, uh, Ray Rowenfeld, and, um, and we were talking and just thinking about what, what could, we done, uh, could be done in this festival of faith. Um, uh, what could we, we do to put a tool in your hand that would help you in your journey? And, um, and so I'm going to just, not a, I, I hope this isn't a big deal, but I'm offering you my book. I made this available to the folks at Big Camp that were there at Easter. 
And uh, it's just an electronic uh, copy. I can't give you the hard copy. If you want that, you can buy it and request it from your ABC. Uh, but my book is called Reboot Your Spiritual Life. And what it does is, is it's just six simple chapters that goes through practical ways of how to study your Bible, how to, how to reboot your prayer life, um, how to become a follower of Christ, and, and how to understand what your gifts and talents and passions are and what God may be calling you to and understanding your calling. Uh, I also look at things like fasting and worship and taking retreats, solitude retreats and that type of thing. Um, so I would encourage you to check it out and we will make sure that Wayne has an electronic copy of that. So you'll just need to either contact him or email him and, uh, and we'll, we'll keep you posted on that uh, uh, through the week. But we want to make sure that that resource is available to you. And please hear this as well on that note. That if you, if you in your life and your journey are desiring to go deeper with God, we all need mentors. We all need uh, uh, people in our life that can pour into us experiences that they've had that have been meaningful in their walk and relationship with God. Uh, so all of us, none of us have it all together. All of us are in need for something more. That's, that's the faith journey is we're constantly growing and that's why it is exciting. Uh, some people have this picture of heaven, like we're going to get to heaven, and it's really a lot of people have this picture of heaven being like nirvana, which is a Buddhist teaching that nirvana is you have fully arrived, uh, uh, it's just all things are bliss and all things are well and everything is perfect, that is nirvana. Heaven is not that way in my opinion. Uh, does death eventually go away, or does death go away? Yes. Does pain and suffering go away? Yes. Uh, but are we growing and developing for all of eternity? Absolutely. Otherwise, it would really suck uh, if you were up in heaven for eternity and you were just perfect and everything was just, you just like after like a jillion years, you would just be like, man, can, can we do something like more exciting than just being perfect? Or, you know, so I, I really believe that God has built us for a capacity that is, is it, it, he, he's designed us in such a way, if I liken it to like a tube of water, like a tunnel or like a tube of water or a tube that water would flow through, it's just constantly moving and we can constantly be growing, uh, that God will, con we will constantly be developing and exploring new things. That's why this universe and everything around us is so massive and expansive, that is God. And so you and I have the opportunity to join in eternal life. Um, it does get warmer when the lights are on and it has been, it gets cool. It's funny this weather here, cool mornings, cool night, really warm, hot day. Um, but anyway, why am I talking? It just feels so mellow in this place tonight. It just feels so mellow. Especially in light of er, er, after this morning, y'all were freaking me out. It's like you flew off the handle or something. <laughs> Ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Um, yeah, and, and hey, you know what? Uh, the other thing too, and then we'll pray, uh, lift our sister up. And um, uh, I really thank God for y'all because just walking the highways and byways of this campus, um, just chatting with some of you folks, it's just been a real joy. So. Uh, I've had some people come up and, and uh, share just some experiences they've had this week or some experiences, experiences they've had in this life. And, uh, and just, I simply thank God for you. And if you ever have any questions, comments, points of clarification, my email is matthewgamble@me.com. Very profound. I sat and agonized for hours over that. I uh, just wanted it to be just the right email. Um, so if you ever need to get a hold of me, um, uh, I, I really rejoice when people write and say, I've got a prayer request. Would you pray for me about this? I'm happy to pray for you. If you have questions or disagreements or arguments, come talk to a player. Uh, let's reason together and let us do this thing. So without further ado, uh, my email is there. You can check that out. And um, uh, actually, if you write me, I'll send you a copy of the book as well. Uh, uh, you can do that too. So, cool. Let us pray. Y'all doing okay? 
All right, I, I, I will say this. I do feel like we've lost the buzz of beautiful people. Like at one point sometime this week, I really hope maybe tomorrow night is the night. Maybe thir- is tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, Thursday night is the night. I don't know what night it's going to be, but I just would love. I mean, we have this space available. And by the way, too, a quick side note, and then I'll pray. This building is not a sanctuary, just so you know. Biblically speaking, you are the sanctuary. Like, you individually are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, So when you walk out of this place, God isn't chilling in here solo, twiddling his thumbs, saying, gosh, I can't wait until the people come back again. You are the sanctuary. You are the temple. Um, That said, this place, I just pray that at some point, it's not going to happen tonight because we're in like a Bob Marley mellow mood tonight for some reason. There was something in the postum. Uh, do you all have postum here in Australia? It's like a coffee alternative that Adventists thrive on. Uh, um, it's just like, like anything that Adventists can trip up and flip up to make fake. Bacon is of the devil. Let's make fake bacon. Um, and so they have fake coffee alternative. Um, and they just need to repent and God will forgive them and we can move forward in uh, rejoicing love and everything else. They got really offended by the postum comment. <laughs> We're out of here. I love my coffee alternative. All right. Um, that said, I wish there was something more I could share, but uh, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me. We're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into Scripture. So let us do that now. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Avondale. Thank you for this Tuesday evening. Thank you for the mellow mood tonight. Um, And I just ask that as we open your word, I I just simply ask that you would speak to us, that you would guide us. We're we're rejoicing today and we celebrate today that uh, our sister Carly has made it through surgery fine and and that the tumor that they found in there has come back neutral. And and from what I've been told, that that is actually very good news. So for that, we, we rejoice and we are trusting uh, that your hand is upon her and in her, that your spirit is in her, guiding her and directing her. We pray that you would comfort her parents, especially right now. Um, and I just ask for the whole family as well and her friends that you would provide that peace that passes all understanding. And as she rests in that hospital bed and recovers, we just believe by faith that you will speak in and through her, um, that she is going to be a witness to those that are around her. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for her. And Jesus, now, uh, we just ask that you would be lifted up in this place, that in so doing, you would draw every person under the sound of my voice unto yourself. May you be magnified, may you be glorified, and, and Lord, as we study your word and expound on it, I just pray that you would pierce our hearts, God. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would reveal yourself to us in a way that is real, vibrant, refreshing, insightful. I pray that you would speak to us in a way that you know that we will hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Bible says this, we left off in Philippians chapter 1, and as a matter of fact, again, if you remember on these, the two uh, banners on my left and right, your left and right, these are coming from, oh, they did fix it, bless their heart. You Avondale folks, you're sharp. All right, so anyway, Galatians 2.20 is on the left and right. We are going to be exploring Galatians chapter 2 on Sabbath morning. The banners in the back actually are representative of the text that we are going to be exploring on the evening. Uh, So this text in the back, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed in that I rejoice. We actually looked at that this morning. Today we are, believe it or not, somehow by a miraculous chain of events... Uh, We are on point because it is Tuesday night, and the second banner is uh, found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and we're going to be unpacking this passage tonight. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so without further ado, again, I invite you to open uh, to Philippians chapter 2, and it is there that we will remain. We're just going through verses 1 through 11 of Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, as always, I encourage you to follow along. Please keep in mind, I just share this and reiterate these things. I know I've said it every time I get up to speak, but I've already seen some people in here that are new today that haven't been here uh, the previous three sessions, so that we're on, on the same page 
Paul is writing from a jail cell. It's roughly AD 60. Scholars believe Homie was up in Rome, probably at that time. He's writing to the church in Philippi. That's why the book is called Philippians. Uh, it's very profound stuff, like MatthewGambleAtMe.com. I'm writing a letter to the church in Philippi. Let us call this book Philippians. Uh, so he writes this stuff out, and he's in the jail cell, and what he's writing the church in Philippi, the first church that Paul planted, why he's writing this is to encourage the saints. And I believe that by God's grace, as we read together and expound on God's word tonight, that you will see some very encouraging things. I pray you've already seen some encouraging things. Just to highlight a couple things, uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, it says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. Uh, that, is, that ought to be a, something that you claim and promise that you believe in when the defecation is hitting the fan in your life and splattering out and everything else is falling apart. You can actually believe and trust that he who began the good work in you will actually complete it, especially on the day of his appearing. And that is good assurance when everything feels like it's falling apart. That ought to be good assurance. So anyway, Philippians chapter 2. Where am I? Mercy, sorry. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. So that's a little bit of background. Here we go. The Bible says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, verse 2, complete my joy by being of the what church? Say this with me now. Being of the same mind, having the what? Same love. Uh, being in what? Full accord and on one mind. Now, when it says full accord, as you may have heard before, this is not talking about a Honda like all of, all of Avondale students cramming into a Honda Accord. He's talking about being in unity and united uh, together with Christ as the head, you and I are the body, um, being in full accord and of one mind. So I just want to, um, I want you to hear this again. I want myself to hear this again, that this is God's will for you. This is God's will for the church. And I will just share with you right now something that I'm struggling with personally, and that is, what do I do? And I, I don't even know that I have the answers of this, but what do I do when I see things happening in the church that are going against the grain of Scripture or going against the grain of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how do I respond to that? Because honestly, church, uh, today, as you, you may have experienced, if you were here this morning, I kind of flew off the handle a little bit because things make me downright angry. And I have this issue in my life. I've always been this way since I was a little dude, like a little, little dude, little dude. I've always been the type of guy that if I see an issue, I'm not hesitant to talk about it or like I want to get down into it and figure it out. I like to solve stuff. I like to see resolution come about. And, and unfortunately, there's, there's some things that are happening that in my opinion don't lend itself for us to be of one mind, uh, to be in one accord, to be bound in love together. And so maybe the challenge is for you and for me to, to actually come together as a body of believers that are united around Jesus Christ. Like where we come together as a community of believers and actually celebrate the risen Savior. We look at his life and teachings and by his grace we invite him to come up into us, abiding in, in us. By his grace he will start to emulate his character in and through us. And so we become the type of people that, that we are complete, uh, uh, sorry, we are of the same mind, verse 2. We have the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Let me, let me say this, this just came to me. Well, my bottle just came to me. I picked it up and I brought it to my mouth. This past Sabbath, I flew into Sydney. I arrived on Saturday morning. I didn't want to fly on the Sabbath, but I left on a Thursday, figured that would be ample time to get here before the Sabbath. But no, I lost Friday altogether and landed here Saturday morning at 6 a.m. I get picked up by a dear brother and sister in Christ uh, named the Darbies. They take me from, the, from the, the airport and they bring me up to their church at Walls End. 
minor pit stop at their house so that I could wash the defilement off of my body because I was quite greasy having traveled for 35 plus hours. I shower, we go to church together. We leave church, come back to their home, and at their home, there is a gathering of people. I'm guessing about a half a dozen, or sorry, I'm guessing about a dozen people were gathered. And in that body of community, we celebrated uh, uh, Passover together. We celebrated communion together by, by having bread and juice. And we shared around the table, certain people were were asked to share about what certain aspects of the body and the blood, certain aspects of God delivering us out of sin in our life and this type of thing. The discussion was had around the table. We had one girl that was very young. I think she's about 12. uh, And the rest of us are in our 20s or 30s. We spent hours together. The spirit in the place was sweet. The presence of God was palpable. Grown men shed tears. Uh, uh, It just was powerful. It was raw. It was authentic. And it was real. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of playing church. I actually have no desire to go to church if all I'm going to do is play some stupid part in some production. And even if that part is me walking into the back of a church, coming in, throwing on my smile, talking about happy Sabbath, sitting down in a pew, listening to some music, dropping some coin in a bucket that passes by, and listening to some, some person speak, and then I get up and leave, and I'm not connected with anybody. I'm not in community with anybody. My life is not being changed. I'm not seeing a difference being made. Something is fundamentally wrong with that, and I desire to have nothing to do with it. Period. Wow. Oh. Well, did I strike a funny bone? What I do desire, and you guys, please hear this, y'all. I don't care if it's 10 of us. I don't care if it's 10,000. Quite frankly, the more the merrier. I just want to be in community. I want to see when I read scripture and Paul is saying to the church in Philippi from his jail cell, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. I want that. The Bible proclaims it. I claim it today in the 21st century. And I believe that it can happen by God's grace. Let me just share with you contrary to what happens in our society. In contrast to what the Bible is preaching and and teaching here, in contrast, what our society lends itself to is a lot of isolation. I don't care how many Facebook friends you have, a lot of us have succumbed to the problem where our relationships are all based online, or, or our relationships are all electronic, or our relationships with people are all just kind of fake. Like, like when stuff is going on in your life, you find yourself having nobody to talk to. Somebody is, something is fundamentally wrong with that picture. That is not God's will for your life. So I share with you a very sobering story. My neighbor in Seattle, uh, we, we, had, we lived together for four years. This dear brother, his name is Warren, married to his wife, Maria. Uh, uh, they had a son. His wife was pregnant again uh, with a daughter. This guy, uh, Warren, we lived together again for four years. He knew what I did. His brother is a homosexual, lived in our same neighborhood, different house with his partner. Just, just a side note, you know what's sick is that if somebody finds out I'm a pastor and that person is a homosexual, nine times out of ten, that person no longer desires to have a conversation with me. And I have to ask myself, if Jesus, we don't have an account of Jesus and, and the person ran up, and you know, it, doesn't, it says like a prostitute. I wish it could have said, and a homosexual ran up to Jesus just to touch the hem of his garment. I wish it could have said something like that. Unfortunately, we don't have that type of story because you have to wonder, how would Jesus deal with or relate to a homosexual? The Jesus that I believe and know, and I don't know why I'm sharing this right now. This was not on the notes that I don't have anyway. Uh, um, But 
the Jesus that I know would not shun a homosexual. The Jesus that I know would not send a homosexual out of the church. The Jesus that I've come to, to know and, and love and, and have surrendered my life fully and wholly and completely to would actually love a homosexual. I'm actually to the point where I, I've said this before. I think I said it maybe for the first time at big camp. I want a shirt that just says, I love homosexuals. Am I a homosexual? No. Do I love them? Absolutely. Do I, do I hate the fact and cringe that my profession tends to isolate me and separate me just from the very fact of what I do or my title or position? I cringe at it. It's repulsive to me. I don't want it. As a matter of fact, I don't even want the title. Don't even give me the title. I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. And I believe that if a homosexual would actually look at the life and teachings of Jesus, they may find somebody who actually loves them back. Unfortunately, most homosexuals that I encounter, uh, that came out wrong uh, a little bit, potentially. Uh, but most homosexuals that I know, they don't go to church because of the church. They've given up on God, not because of Jesus, but because of the church. Something is fundamentally wrong. Back to my brother Warren. I left, I left uh, that neighborhood in June of 2008. My wife went to, to Yale. We went together. So we moved. Just a little over a year ago, I get a phone call from another one of our neighbors that Warren had come home, found out that he was, he had, uh, um, was getting evicted from his home, uh, uh, found out that, that uh, he had been essentially losing everything. To this day, I have no clue what was going on with Warren. I have no idea. All I know is, is this. Warren, if I can paint a picture, 40-something-year-old guy, loved his wife, loved his son, Javier, and loved the coming baby, was an incredible man. He was not a follower of Jesus. We talked about uh, uh, Jesus a little bit. Homie did come to my ordination. He never came to my church, but he did come to my ordination, which just was one of the highlights of my night. Warren gets evicted from his house because he had gotten off on some financial something that just messed him up and they lost everything. And he couldn't handle it, so he grabbed his gun. He had left his profession as, a, as some, some, I don't know, white-collar worker in a, in a business. Uh, it was real estate and all this stuff. He was an executive downtown Seattle. Left that profession, had just become a police officer. Gets evicted from his home. Grabs his gun, walks down to the park where we used to all hang out. Puts the gun to his chest and blows his heart out. Why? Because he screwed up. Why? Because he entered into a moment of insanity and lost his mind and did something that I wish he hadn't. I actually text Maria, his wife. I'll send her texts and give her calls every once in a while just to let her know I'm praying for her. If I read scripture that brings him to mind and that situation and their family to mind, I'll just share words of encouragement to her. Why do I share this with you? We're only in verse 2. Paul is saying this, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, uh, uh, being in full accord and of one mind. I would simply submit this to you, that if the body of Christ were to actually become that, we wouldn't have people doing what Warren did. In other words, I would simply submit this to you that I don't believe that Warren would have killed himself over some stupid money issue because if we were the body of believers together, living in community together, I would recognize somebody's need. In other words, this church, when I struggle with porn, I've got to have somebody that I'm accountable to talk to about that. If, if pastors and Bible teachers and administrators are having affairs... Why? Because we've created a culture in our little remnant church. We've created a culture where you can't be authentic. 
You can't tell somebody when something is going wrong. And yet you want to walk around calling yourself the remnant? I simply challenge you to repent, humble yourself before God, humble yourself before God's people, get into community together. What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Your own pride, your own ego. I'm just sick and tired of it, y'all. I'm just tired of it all. And I'm sad, I'm deeply saddened uh, for my brother Warren, uh, well, for, for my sister Maria. It's just a very troubling story. Very troubling. And that is why we need community. God designed it for us. He calls us into it. My boy Gibbo sitting over here on my left. He and I had a good talk last night in his car. Not long enough, but we, we did have a good heart-to-heart talk, at least for a few moments. We need to be in accountability together. We need to be in community with one another, not living in isolation. It's already 7.15, verse 3. I repent. Do nothing. Watch this, church, and we'll boogie through this, and we'll, we'll land the plane here shortly. About 45 minutes. That's a joke, student. We will land the plane here shortly, but hear this now. Do nothing, church. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. I'm going to just simply tell you this right now, and we'll move on. You will never be able to count somebody more significant than yourself unless Jesus is living up in you. Because your nature left alone, your nature is all about you. It's all about self. It's all about what can I get. When Jesus comes into your life, it's all about what can I give. And I'll tell you, Avondale, I have rarely been to a place where you guys are all about mission. You're, you're aware of issues that are going on in your world here in Australia and around the world. And I praise God for that because to me that's evidence of the Spirit of God abiding in your life because you have desire to serve the broken. You have desire to serve the downtrodden, those that are cast out, those are, that are not touched, the untouchables. You have the desire to serve those people. To me, that is evidence of the Spirit of Christ abiding in you, and that should be celebrated. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Verse 4. And, and church, would you not say that Jesus in humility counted others more significant than himself? I mean, I'm, I, I, you look at the life and teachings of Jesus. You look at him hanging on the cross. You look at him in the highways and byways of life. He always counted others more significant than he did himself. He poured himself out. And that is what a follower of Jesus will emulate. Verse 4. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Powerful statement. You can go back and read this. I would encourage you to meditate on this, contemplate on this, uh, uh, whatever it is that you need to do. Pray that God would give you that spirit that you would start to not only look out to your own interest. I like this. I like that. I like this. I'll, and, and you know what, church? This is why stupid people argue about a drum. That's what it is all about, is that they're focused on their own interests. There is nothing biblical about a drum. You can't argue syncopation out of the Bible. People that try to trumpet Ellen White, she only used the word drum twice in all her writings that I'm aware of. And, and she was talking about this holy roller movement that was all out of control. And these people were all just freaking out of control. She wasn't talking about when you guys stand up here and give praise, honor, and glory for the goodness of God. That was not the context of what she was talking about. Why do people argue stupid stuff like that? Because they're looking at their own interests. They don't like that type of music. If you don't like it, good. That's why there's 20 churches within about 30 miles of the campus that I'm standing on. And there's slews of them that you can go to. And we would encourage you and welcome you and delight and celebrate you going to another church. Amen. But at some point, at some point, and y'all, please don't think that I'm trying to be a jerk. I'm in bad shape. I'm heading to Elmshaven Seventh-day Adventist Church. To be the senior pastor, when I leave, I mean, I've been serving as that since July, but, it, but 
Sunday, when I board a plane, that is where I'm going. They have never had drums. They've never, I don't know that they would have ever had a preacher without a tie on. And a tie is a pagan phallic symbol. And yet, and yet, in many Adventist churches that I go to, I'm not allowed to even preach if I don't have one of these hanging around my neck. Why? Because people are trumpeting tradition over Jesus Christ. And it's just due time. You're at a campus that empowers you. You've got a chaplain right here that has stuck his neck out on behalf of young people. Stuck his neck out. Do you know that the impact that has happened here in Australia has actually resonated back in the United States? Do you know this? I mean, we would sit there in seminary and Barry Gain, one of your seminary professors who needs to repent because he hasn't been here yet this week, uh, uh, but we'll have a confessional tomorrow. Uh, um, But that brother showed us a film of what was happening here at camp meetings where thousands, I mean, I'm talking over a thousand young adults are coming up into camp meeting, driving all the way to Yara to celebrate the risen God. This is an unheard of phenomenon in the United States. It's unheard of. And unfortunately, I believe it's because we have this culture where people's own interests are, have trumpeted the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't look at your own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And church, uh, man, maybe I'll close. Do I close there? Do I, what do I do? 720. Can I go 10 more minutes? Can I have 10 more minutes? All right, amen. Y'all are too kind as people are leaving. Because for the... He thought I didn't see him. Um... For the one dude that was like, you, uh, yeah, keep going. Like if my wife was here, seriously, that is like her job. First of all, whenever I preach and my wife is there, which is now going to be happening every week, she just, like the whole sermon long. And then, and then like if it starts going long, it's, please, please no. Um. And then we get in the car and criticize. Just joking. I love my wife. Those that are closest to us can hurt us the most. (laughs) All right, verse five. And by God's grace, that chick is going to come with me. She's been over here a couple times with me. Um, But but I pray that next time uh, she comes. Why? Because now it's just one flight instead of four. Amen and hallelujah. I'm getting closer to Australia people. All right, verse five. This is so powerful. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Other translations say it it this way. Let this mind be in you. It's right up there on your banner. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Hear this now real quick. The very same Holy Spirit that abided in the life of Jesus is the very same Holy Spirit that is available for you and me today. So in other words, the very same Spirit that was guiding and speaking to Jesus, I believe Jesus was fully God, is the very same Holy Spirit that is is offered to us on His behalf to abide up in you, to like live inside of you, to start speaking to you, to start guiding you. Again, you start walking to the beat of a new drummer. Uh, It is powerful. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Suddenly, what does that mean? What, What starts happening? If the mind of Christ is up in you, would it not naturally make sense that if his mind is in you, you would start to think as Christ thinks? You would start to see as Christ sees You would start to reach as Christ reaches. You would start to walk in places that Christ would have you walk and not necessarily your own self. The Bible says that when the Spirit of God is upon you, it's just like the wind and the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it's coming or or where it's coming from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone 
So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And I just simply ask you tonight, is your life being, being blown around? Is your life going in directions you never would have dreamed, hoped, or imagined? Are you experiencing the abiding presence of Christ up in your life? Because if you're not, something is fundamentally wrong. I don't care how much theology you got. I don't care how much prophecy you can proclaim. None of that means a thing if you ain't got Jesus, the King of Kings, abiding up in you. Have I got it all figured out? Absolutely not. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Do I still screw up, blow it, and sin? Absolutely. Am I proud of that? Absolutely not. Before I met Jesus, I couldn't care less. Now that I know Jesus, I want to become more like Jesus. How does that happen? He comes up in me. Let this mind be in you, church, which was in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Verse 7, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, a bondservant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found, verse 8, in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I'm just going to read this again, verse 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant this is Jesus being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is the gospel. That is what Jesus has done. The beauty is, is that the story doesn't end there. He died and he rose again. The beauty is, is that he came along and he said to you, guess what? You know what? I'm going to die. He told the people, I'm going to die. The dude was 33 years old. In context, I'm 37. Jesus was 33. His ministry was three and a half years. And he has so radically flipped this world upside down, it has never been the same since. And he said this, I'm going to die and it's going to be good. It's good that I'm going to die. Why? Because A, I'm going to die for the sins of the world and atone the world. For anybody who just puts their belief in me, just a little bit of trust in me. Just a little bit. Can you not just conjure up just a little bit of trust? A little bit of hope. If you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, you have eternal life, period. But this is, this is more. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. But I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he said this, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Your parents may screw you over. Your best friend may screw you over. Your pastor may freaking screw you over. And that's what sucks is, is that you and I will look at it and say, well, look at that hypocrite. If that guy can do that, I'm out of here. But don't look at him. Look at Jesus. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to send you the comfort of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Come up in you. This is not some God we worship out that comes down to the townspeople once a week and hangs out for, for the divine hour. And says, peace out, God bless, and I'll see you next week. He is with you always. Always. And this Holy Spirit, which is this gift, is going to start doing it for you. Making the changes for you. That's the beauty of it all. Your job is not to save yourself. Your job is simply to remain surrendered. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Ego is going to... You, you know what your worst enemy is? Is you. That's your worst enemy. Is your brain. 
It's going to screw with you. It's going to mess you up. This world is going to suck you and draw you away. And Jesus is going to be begging and desiring for you. He is going to be championing you on the entire way. And all he wants is is to give you eternal life. That's it. And you can choose to reject it. That's your total choice. And you know the good news about our doctrine of hell? This is how I'll get speaking for hours. I'll just keep going. You know what's so beautiful about our understanding of hell? And by the way, your college president just said the next time he preaches on hell, the title is going to be Hell No. (laughs) Amen. Uh, And if I get invited back to Avondale, my answer is going to be Hell Yes. (laughs) That came out wrong. You know what's so beautiful about our understanding and the biblical teaching about hell? Is this, when God comes back again, if you are not found in him, I don't believe he delights and is like, yeah, this is awesome. Let me fry these people. No. Is that uh, uh, in alignment with the life and teachings of Jesus? No. The Bible says the same Jesus you saw ascend is the same Jesus who's going to come back again. The same way you saw him go up is the same way he's coming down. And the last time I read the Bible were the disciples like, oh, oh no, get away from me, Jesus. No, they were like, gosh, I want to be with you. Don't go away. I'm I'm not fearing him coming again. I don't fear Jesus coming again. I long for Jesus to come back. Our doctrine of hell is simply this. If you don't accept Jesus, if you don't want anything to do with his kingdom, that is cool. This life is all you get, and you did. And when he comes back again after the millennium, I'm not going to unpack it all right now, but after the millennium, all that's going to happen is you're going to come up and you're going to die. And it's over. End of, you're not floating around in the pit of hell with fire burning on you. Because, I mean, if that was the case, after about a thousand years of burning, you'd probably be like, I'm starting to get used to this. This is okay. No, God is gracious. God is gracious towards you. And guess what? All that happens is, is you die. That's it. And then it's over. But there's those of us who desire something more. There's those of us who say, you know what? My grandmother who died, I would like to see her again. There's those of us when tragedy hits, we're just like, you know what? There's got to be something greater than this. I was designed for something greater than this. This world is not my home. I'm a kingdom-minded citizen of, of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I get to go spend eternity with him. And there's, I could unpack more on that, but that's just the good news is that if you go to hell, it's not that bad. And, and let me just flip the script on the GYC folks real quick. Let me just say this. You know the people that, that are teaching and proclaiming, if you listen to rock music, it's of, the rock music is of the devil. Can you imagine, let me just, or let's, let's use coffee. Let's take coffee as an example. Let's just use coffee. Can you imagine you're su- sipping on a sip of, sip of warm beverage and Jesus returns and he is like, man, This sucks. You're sucking on some coffee. I'm going to now have to blow you up for eternity. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your chick? My wife has earrings. Can you imagine Jesus coming back and being like, oh my gosh. I'm going to have to just send you to eternal torment. Because your ears are pierced. Really? And y'all, I'm, I'm not even trying to be funny to you. This is how most, and I don't want to say most, but some Adventists think this way. That you are going to hell in a handbasket because your skirt is right here and not down to your ankles. 
Can you imagine Jesus, the same Jesus that was on this planet? Please do not forget this church. Jesus said, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you want to know what the character of God is like, look at Jesus. Why'd y'all get me distracted? We're coming in for a landing. I mean, please go back and read this. Being found in the form of uh, human form, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Uh, verses 9, 10, 11, and I close. Watch this now. Therefore, God has highly exalted Jesus, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, and hear this church, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. What is under earth? Those that are dead, six feet under, even they will bend their knee and bow at the name of Jesus. Verse 11, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you believe God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the, that the world would have life. Life. You and I, church, are invited to enter into the kingdom of God here on this planet. The reason why I'm going to Elm's Haven Seventh-day Adventist Church is because I believe that they're gathered by God's grace are a people that are desiring to experience the kingdom of God in that community. Have we seen it? No. Are we claiming it? Yes. Are we stepping forward in faith, believing Yes. And I just thank God for you, Avondale College, because since I've been here, since Sunday evening, I feel like I've tasted the kingdom of God on this place. And I'm deeply grateful for you. At this time, I'm going to invite my sister, Sinna, to come up, and she's going to sing a song. Are we still on point? Are we still good? Good? She's going to sing a song. As she sings, I just pray that you would meditate on the word uh, that you've heard tonight. I, I challenge you and go back and read the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 2. We just did verses 1 through 11. We're going to pick up in verse 12 tomorrow. Um, get into the Word of God, y'all. Get to know Jesus. I pray that you would fall in love with Him more and more. More and more. Y'all, come on down. Close with prayer.